Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1316, air date September 12, 2023. All attendees are in listen-only mode. All right, welcome everyone. Uh, most of you that follow this channel know this is David Morgan of themorganreport.com. And something that you would not really find me doing, and that is talking politics. But uh, I've been very impressed with Dr. Shiva. I actually learned about you, Dr. Shiva, from uh, the X-22 report. Uh Dave over at X-22, his first interview happened to be me, or whatever that's worth, way back when he started. And uh, I was very intrigued with what you, your background, of course, being an engineer myself at one time. Still, I am trained, but I haven't done anything in the engineering field for many, many years. Point being is that I was interested in systems theory, systems analysis, so I signed up and I've only been through one course. I did go through the three hours, which is a bit of a time effort. And I've read your book, um, The System and Revolution. So I am acquainted with systems theory. But I want to get started here. People that know me know that uh, I've many times made the statement that uh, I hate all politicians equally. I mean, I learned very early on that there's a left wing and a right wing and they're attached to the same bird flying in the same general direction. It might go up, it might go down, it might be left or right, it might change its speed, but basically the mandate is what it is, regardless of who's in power. And so what I'd really like to do is say, um, your swarm, uh, your um, <clears throat> shatter the swarm instead of drain the swamp really resonated with me. And that's when I decided I really wanted to do this. So as we get there, part of what you said about the three columns are called the profit, power, and control. You did an excellent job. In fact, I've said to many of my colleagues that this is probably the best explanation of how the world really works that I've ever seen. And it's taken 15 minutes to get there, and you did it you know, eloquently. In fact, I one person in the office here recently sitting right next to me, and I showed it to him. He's like, man, that guy's really smart. I said, yes, he is. But I want to digress, because one of those columns about profit was the banking system. And that's what I've focused on for most of my life. Uh, my premise is money is power. And with money, you have control. And you can control and buy and pay for a lot of the politicians, a lot of pol- political class, in my view. Both parties uh, have been bought and paid for. And that's why these Congress critters will vote in legislation that's been written by a corporation. So, Bruce, if you can just bring up the, uh, the Thrive Pyramid and show uh, our viewers this comes from the movie Thrive, which you may or may not be familiar with. I'm a friend of uh, Foster Gamble's from the Procter Gamble uh, family, who he broke away a long time ago. And this is the movie number one. And what I want to point out here is this is, again, giving him credit, but I agree with this pretty much. Not saying that the swarm isn't extremely important, but if we subset it into the pyramid of power, and we look at where we are, we the working class, lower middle class, middle class, upper middle class, the working class, the planet and all living things are really below the base of the pyramid. And the first level up is government. And this is what I want to really emphasize, Dr. Shiva, is that most people believe that government is all-knowing, all-seeing, and all-powerful. Well, maybe on an individual basis that appears to be true because they have so much control over their lives, you've got to get a license to start a business, you get a license to do commercial activity in a car, you've got to do all these things that they mandate to us or put in the law. Somebody writes down that piece of paper and it all changes. 
the government definitely seems to have a big deal of power. But when you really look at their hierarchy, it isn't government. They're the lowest part. So what's above that? And that's corporations. And I think this is something that most people don't even realize yet. It's true. In fact, we were given this information in the movie network a long time ago. And the commentator on the TV show just blew it out and said, you know, there is no USSR. There is no China. There's no Australia. There's Bechtel, Exxon, General Motors, Pfizer. There's these multinational uh, corporations. And that's what we have. And then he said, of course, lean out your head out the window and say, we're mad as hell. We're not going to take it anymore. And of course, that was a metaphor for kind of where we're still at, at least those that could think for ourselves. So what's above that? And that's what I call your money center banks, your Goldman Sachs, your Citibank, Chase, and all that, HSBC, what's above that? Your larger banks, what's about that? The international central banks, the IMF and the World Bank, which are both controlled by the U.S. primarily. Then you have the Bank for International Settlements, and then you go to the top of the pyramid, and as you so accurately pointed out, a lot of people say, well, is it the aliens or is it the Rothschilds? No, it's really the swarm. But what I'd like to do is get your feedback, and I know I'm doing all the talking about this pyramid. How important is it? Is it just, uh, David, that's just part of the swarm? It's really not that important. No, money really does have an important part to play in the overall control, power, and profits. Well, David, one of the things that... Um you know, when I did the swarm video, when people do these hierarchies and these charts, you know, it's all well and good. But the key with that swarm video, it's a control systems model. OK, the swarm is a controller. Right. So to those people who are new, you know, um, starting the 1920s and around that time, people started to build this whole basis of modern engineering theory, which is called control systems. And in control systems theory, there's really two types of systems, right, David? The dumb system, which basically it receives an input and it puts something out. Those in power want us to be dumb systems. The intelligent system is something, and it has five components in it, right? I'm not gonna go into the details of that today, but a dumb system broadly, something that receives an input and processes it and gives an output. Uh, those in power want people to be dumb systems. You show an ad for some idiot running for office, you immediately give them a donation. You show them an ad of a juicy burger, you go buy it, right? And so on. The intelligence system is where this fits in. So we have to think about this from a system standpoint. The intelligence system has something very unique that the dumb system doesn't. It has, you could call it a brain, right? The brain of that intelligence system is a thing that is making decisions to achieve another component of an intelligence system called a goal. And in order to achieve that goal, uh, the brain needs two inputs. One is where does it want to go, the goal, and where is it at? And, and it has to achieve that goal in the face of something called disturbances. So in this context, that brain and control systems is known as a controller. And what I was depicting in that uh, swarm video was a swarm is really swarm intelligence. It's the controller, okay? And from a control system standpoint, you know, the um, controller is quite interesting because it has it itself, you know, you can put it layered, you can put it networked, and there's all these ways you can describe the swarm. So here's sort of a layered model. It's truly actually a layered network model, right? Um, and, you know, at any one of these layers, there's networks within that. Um, so it's a little more complicated. So in the, in the video there, I had the controller, which is the swarm, and the swarm itself within it, it has, 
it, it itself has, it's, it's not uniquely making decisions, right? In any particular it's a direction, it's more sort of a superposition of a number of micro decisions that are made that drive it in a particular direction. So the bankers may have a particular way they want to go. The university heads may want to have a different decision, right? Um, it's no different than when you watch, you know, a swarm of birds. Um, they sort of move guided by a uh, summation of a whole bunch of micro decisions. And that's important to understand. Um, and what emerges out of that in system science is known as an emergent property. So obviously the financial piece is one part of it, but sometimes you have weird stuff that takes place, even though the financial piece may point a certain way, there may be some new emerging innovations or new science insider tips that that information has by way of example, right? That they may do something that seems seemingly against their interest, but over some period of time, it actually gets a swarm moving in a direction. So diagrams like this, the swarm that I did is really one component of it is the organization of, you know, these different actors, right? We had the actors who were involved in power, right? Maintaining power, the academics, right? Academics really don't, um, it's interesting, academics by and large are getting paid about 100,000, right? $200,000 or something, they're not getting paid billions, but they get to control narratives and academics sort of get excited about that, you know? Um, the profit people is a large corporations. They're driven by quarter to quarter profits. And then you have the control people by and large who they use to control the masses, which are the front end politicians, the actors. So I just want to put that in context, David, if that makes sense, right? The, this set of people are really the brains, a, a decentralized brain of people who are making these micro decisions to affect outcome of inputs that come into the system. And the good news is, they're not as organized as we think they are, right? They also, there's a lot of market inefficiencies there that people think do not exist. And that's, that's, that's what opens up many, many opportunities to build a movement because they do not, their entire basis of the swarm, um, you know, from a control system standpoint, they have a goal, which is to maximize power profit control. So this swarm makes decisions to move forward in that direction. What inputs are they gonna put into us, the 8 billion people? Um, and they're constantly watching where we are going, but they also have a disturbance. And that disturbance, frankly, is us. Um, the micro decisions we decide to make. And the more that they get everyone homogenized into not making you know, a whole array of decentralized decisions, it's very, very easy to control people. And that's fundamentally the goal here is to make sure whether you're in India or whether you're in Bombay or whether you're in you know, Helsinki, the set of working people are all sort of in rhythm and they're all making the same decisions. But when they start doing decentralized decision-making, it's much, much harder for the swarm to control them, David, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I just want to reiterate one part and that is the controllers where the academic get paid 100 or 200K there are people that cannot be controlled by money. You're one of them. I'm one of them. There's well, that's that's the people in the eight billion, David. Right. right. So so there's exactly. two there's two competing forces here. The point oh 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 one percent, which composes a swarm, right? And you can, um, and that, and by the way, to everyone listening, the swarm has its set of advisors who understand 
everything I've written about in System and Revolution. In fact, uh, but they make it far more inaccessible to the rest of us. So they understand system science. They understand control systems. They understand the principles of observability and con controllability, right? They have all sorts of nerds nerding out for them at places like MIT on their behalf, at Yale, at Harvard, at Tufts School, that work on their behalf to drive their interests. Now, the reason, David, as you know, I brought this knowledge out to the broad public is imagine now 8 billion people or even 10% of that, 800 million people start understanding the system's dynamics. Well, it's game, set, match over because people start understanding the dynamics of this manipulation. You know, yesterday I did a call with a Marine and uh, he was a guy, you know, who was attacking Biden and he was attacking, you know, all the same old people. And I had to stop him. I said, look, you're attacking Biden and all these guys, but you have yet to attack Trump at all once, right? You've yet to attack Tulsi Gabbard or fucker Carlson or all these kind of people, right? It's a one-sided attack. It's all great, but you're leaving the other half of the puzzle here. And I think it took him about, we did an offline conversation. He started getting it. But when you understand the dynamics here, you start understanding that it is extremely important to actually explain to people how the swarm works, how it has various aspects. You have a hierarchy here. I think it's a little more complicated than that, but it has the front facing people, the obvious establishment, right? The Clintons and the Bushes and those people, but it has the not so obvious establishment and the mistake many quote unquote conservatives make many, many quote unquote people claim they're for working people, the quote unquote liberals. They always will attack the, the shoulders of their establishment, right? So, so Bernie Sanders used to, at least, attack Biden. Now he doesn't even do that anymore. Um, and then the Rand Pauls, you know, those kind of guys would attack the McConnells. Um, so the wings always attack the shoulders. And to the average person looking at this, they're like, wow, Rand Paul just really, really gave it to McConnell. But they forget Rand Paul was absolutely silent on many, many other issues, you know? For example, during the pandemic, he said nothing about firing Fauci. He waited about a year. So we want to educate people that the swarm is very intelligent. They mutate. They are watching us. They learn. They're not like dumb. They're constantly observing where the directionality of where we're going. And like Wayne Gretzky, you know, they want to have that intelligence. They want to see where the puck is going and they want to meet us there. So if they know that we are all starting to break from them, David, and we're starting to move away from left and right, guess what they will do? They will start creating, quote unquote, independent candidates. And that's what they're doing with the Tulsi Gabbard. And I had to expose her all today, you know, and last night. Um, so they're watching which way we're going and they're constantly creating, reframing themselves to make sure we are always looking to them as a Messiah to save us. And this is how, uh, you remember the, what is that movie, um, Terminator? Remember that, David? The liquid metal, how that could morph itself. And the swarm is like that. And so people need to understand, they have the ability to observe what we're doing. They have a lot of sensor surveillance, data gathering. So right now they know guys like you and I are breaking from them when we're going beyond left and right. And if more and more of the 8 billion people start doing that, you will see they will start promoting candidates who will mouth anti-establishment, um, you know, quote unquote, independent movements, but they're all coming top down. 
So the swarm is very let clever. Me interject in, in here, if I might, please. Um, first of all, I forgot to say at the beginning that you have given out tremendous amount of information, and I'm striving to kind of cover ground you haven't covered before. So I would absolutely recommend highly that anyone that watches my channel look at Dr. Shiva's channel and get up to speed. Watch at least five videos because he goes through a lot of things I'm not going to cover here because, again, I want to make it uh, something that we haven't talked about before. So I'm going to put words in your mouth and you can correct me. But the essence of what you said is, well, why would you run knowing that's a selection, not an election? And yada, yada, we know this. You know, you're looking to fight evil. You know, what's your purpose in life? That's one of them. Or at least that's how I understood it. And the other one's to raise consciousness. Okay, I get that to a level. But okay, you've run. Maybe someone else has selected. But you have raised the consciousness of 80% of the population of the United States and 67% of the world's population. Now what? What does that mean? How does that go into satisfaction? In other words, satisfaction for us, we the people, the working class, having a better environment all the way around, not just a physical environment, but a working environment. How does that take place? What actions take place after the raise of consciousness? What do you see? Yeah, so, so David, let's just, I just want to go one step back, right? Sure. The, so in my worldview, spiritual view, secular view, the purpose of existence is to fight evil. Okay, and we can go deeper into that, right? It's a very singular mission. Now, fighting evil means uh, defining the various aspects of evil, evil operates. So as you know, in our course, we give a foundational, a secular scientific way of looking at that. Because otherwise, um, you have to have a common way people can look at this across religious boundaries, cultural boundaries, and we've, we've created that. So that's one of the key innovations of Truth, Freedom, Health. Once you understand the dynamics of evil, um, the key issue becomes enabling as many people to understand that dynamic. So, that's, so let's call that raising consciousness, okay? That's what you just stated. So the goal is to raise people's consciousness so they understand this dynamics, all right, it's almost a self, it's, a, it's, it's an individual self-reflection, but also a collective self-reflection. So people start understanding this dynamic of how you are brought into this system. And ultimately, many people either explicitly or implicitly choose to become part of that. Many people probably make this decision implicitly, right? Not even knowing that they're doing it. And what we want to raise people's consciousness enough people, and by the way, you don't need a lot of people to understand that there is a phenomenon taking place, how oppression takes place, how the force of power, profit, control takes place. And if you do not awaken to this, you are actually making an implicit decision to be part of this. So that's the first dynamic, David. Now, you know, there's enough data now um, that shows that um, from system science, when you have enough particles in any kind of system, even inanimate systems that start raising quote unquote consciousness, you create a different state of the system, okay? So the work of Ilya Pergroni, who won the Nobel Prize in 1957, um, showed this in the field of physical chemistry. In fact, they don't know how this occurs yet. We, have, we don't know how this occurs. Um, and he did a very, very interesting experiment with chemical clocks, or he, gave the uh, you know, analysis of it. What is a chemical clock? Okay, 
according to the second law of thermodynamics, very simply put, I don't want to confuse everyone, but everything in nature goes to its highest state of disorder. Simply put, if someone walked in my door over there, let's say someone walked in and they're wearing a heavy perfume, um, over time, that perfume smell would pervade into this entire room, right? Or if someone, another example, if you have a beaker or a glass of water and you drop a little bit of ink, it goes everywhere, right? Until the overall glass becomes sort of a slight blue. You follow what I'm saying, David? That You know this from engineering theory. So that's called entropy. So the, the phenomenon from the second law of thermodynamics is everything in nature is supposed to go to maximal entropy, which is disorder. The contradiction that Ilya Pogroni wanted to explain was, well, if, there, if the universe by itself always goes to disorder, why are there planets? Why are there galaxies? Why do I exist? Because this is a high state of ordering. And so what, and so this was unexplainable for a while until it was a very interesting phenomenon they noticed um, in particular things in nature called chemical clocks. And what they noticed was, and the simple way I can explain it is imagine taking a cube, imagine this room was a big glass cube and John pumped in a bunch of white, uh, and let's say there's a fan blowing in here, white ping pong balls. What color would this cube look like? It would be white, right? And um, similarly, if John pumped in a bunch of just black balls, it would look black, right? Because they would all distribute. Now, what would happen if John equally combined a bunch of white and black balls, right? What would the room look like? Probably a mild gray. You following me, David? It would be equally distributed. That's the law of entropy. And what they noticed, however, and this is in some chemical examples, under certain conditions, this sort of randomness would suddenly the room would all go black and then all go white, all go black and all go white, okay? And it would go into these different states. And so what this revealed is that the, that the ping pong balls are actually communicating among each other. And we don't know how this occurs yet, David, but what we do know is we've seen this in many phenomenon in, in animals and humans. One monkey on one part of the island knows how to crack a coconut. Another one learns on another part and another one learns and suddenly every monkey's cracking coconuts, okay? So that is called a self-organizing system. So now imagine if enough people read System and Revolution, enough people understand this dynamic of how the manipulation takes place, the fact that it's not only beyond left and right, that the establishment is observing us, they actually understand what the establishment is doing and how they perpetually have a whole array of booby effing Kennedys or Tulsi Gabbards or Donald Trumps or Vivek the snake ready always to manipulate you. Once that system dynamics, that consciousness occurs, David, it is not for me to predict, David, where society moves to. You see what I'm saying? Now, the problem was, and this is what I, you know, having studied revolutionary theory and politics for across left wing, right wing, what I noticed was that the arc of human history of people who may have been sincere but made mistakes, they were trying to figure out how do we liberate human beings? So, you know, if you look at the classical liberalism model of John Locke, the idea was the government exists to ameliorate all these differences and we're all supposed to all kumbaya, right? That's a classic liberal model. But it's all based on philosophical ideas. Um, Karl Marx's idea, which is actually from that tradition, 
um, his view was that, well, you need to get rid of the state. And he was trying to, 99% of his work was again, applying German philosophy to look backwards retrospectively. Only 1% of his work was looking forward. And his view was that working people would organize, right? And there would come something and we would destroy this thing called the state. Um, and then you go on to other people's work after that. Lenin's work uh, took that work and he said, well, you know, it's not going to happen spontaneously. You have to organize it. But the problem is, and you can go to many, many, be it Thomas Paine or all these revolutionary thinkers, left wing, right wing. But the problem is, David, all of them were basing their analysis not on engineering science, David. What they were, what, what were they basing it on? They were basing it on typically German philosophy, you know, liberal philosophy, philosophy. They didn't have any grounding to any of their stuff. So yeah, they may have gotten pieces of it, but they didn't have an engineering framework. So what we have created, you know, what my research and my real discovery here was, was finding out there's a fundamental framework that you can understand any system. And by you understanding those systems principles, you now became an awakened human being. And if enough people do that, we're going to move this system to another state. And if I were to actually say, oh, I want to make that system this, David, I'd be violating that principle. Does that make sense? So it's sort of, it may seem Absolutely. like a contradiction, but that's where we end up with like, so if you look at it in the Bolshevik revolution, even before the Leninists got involved, or let's go even back to the Paris Commune, the first time working people try to organize was during the uh, Franco-Prussian War. And the first time, and for two months, they seized Paris, and they actually were doing some pretty cool things. And then the French and German armies, or the French and Prussian armies, were so afraid this revolution would spread, they came back, they were killing each other on the battlefield, and they came back to put down this workers' revolt. All right, so that lasted for two months. The next time you could argue 1917 to maybe 1919, okay? The Russian Revolution, before it collapsed. But it was sort of kitty, you know, like the Wright brothers trying to take a plane off. Okay, they got it off 12 seconds. Then the next guy got it off one minute. It doesn't mean we can't create a society where there's truth and health. It's just that we have to understand these systems principles. When we understood Bernoulli's principle, we could start, you know, you're an aer aeronautical engineer. We could create airplanes and we could put bathrooms up in airplanes and all sorts of stuff. But we are, we, over the last 150 or thousands of years, as slaves rose up, no one really understood those systems principles. And with all humility uh, and without arrogance, what I'd like to assert is that I have discovered those systems principles and how we build that self-organizing system. But the conundrum here is it would be absolutely fascist for me to say, oh, this is a society that should emerge from that. You see, then I would be making the same mistake like the Bolsheviks did. Or you I'm going to stop you there. Yeah. And I agree with you. And I wasn't trying to assert that you you were that I needed that answer. I just wanted the answer which you gave me because it's indeterminable to go into entropy and then they're self-organizing. Right. Uh, there's a guy named Cliff High that calls uh, self-organizing collectives. But I don't want to go further down. I think you did a superb job of answering it. I do want to say one thing about engineering that um, I actually picked up from someone else. But uh, being an aero engineer, what's fascinating about the communication of the human species, and this is something that's very much uh, needs to be improved in my view, and that is, you know, I know what I mean when I talk to you. But I don't necessarily know that you understood what I meant until you give me feedback. And when you give me feedback, I got a better understanding that I've actually communicated. 
But if you go to engineering and I've got the blueprints for a, it could be a military plane or it could be a civilian plane. Let's just use a Boeing 747. As long as I give you those blueprints, everything is spelled out, every rivet, every part of that airplane. And that airplane will come out exactly the same whether I manufacture it in South Africa, Australia, or Canada because it is so explicit on the communication of how that airplane is built that I know I'm going to get the same product. Now, that's true communication. And, of course, we both know that uh, we, the engineers, get kind of a uh, – what. well, it's kind of cool to be a nerd at some point in time, I think. But regardless, as you said in your book, you know, we, we do the work, you know, and, of course, the – the management, et cetera, gets the credit. So I just want to make that statement because I want to move on. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think just just to say that, David, because I want to talk a little yeah. bit about from an engineering standpoint to what you just said, how okay. these elections are selections. You know, look at the whole supply chain. Um, I know we talked about that because engineers have to deal with the actual laws of physics. In fact, the physicists don't have to deal with the laws of physics. They may come up with them but they don't have to eat, breathe, and live those laws. Engineers do. Um, and it's a very, very honest profession because you can't bullshit because if you bullshit, you know, like we said, planes fall out of the sky. Hey, John, can you get me some water? I just forgot to get a glass of water. <coughs> so I want to I make that point, uh, David, that engineers, like a plumber, it's a very uh, non- sexy job you know you do some really cool stuff but it's all the little things that go into building an airplane right it's not any one thing um there is a field that came out about 20 30 years ago called socio-technical systems though and even though you could have a blueprint which is perfect you have humans building the airplane and they're bound to make mistakes and that became as you know this whole field called lean um how do you make airplanes or any system, you know, if you're going to make the iPhone, how do you make sure it's done properly? Because then you're interfacing man and machine to make these systems. So even though we could have it, that itself became an engineering discipline called socio-technical systems. So, um, and that's where system science comes in. Okay. I want to move on to truth, freedom, health. Uh, I've thought about this a great deal. I've thought about this interview for quite a while when you agreed to uh, let me interview you. So truth, um, this is what got me into this business. I was uh, very much wanted to be in finance, but my dad was like totally against it. And he directed me toward, uh, toward another goal. So I read the World Book Encyclopedia Career Guide, read it in one weekend. thought the airline pilot sounded pretty cool. And I was 16 years old and said, Dad, I want to fly. I said, good choice. So I started flying at 16. By the time I was 19, I was... In uh, Cal Poly Aeronautical Engineering School, and I was teaching flying to the Dean of Architecture and a few other people. And that's, I, I didn't earn my way to college. I won't lie. My dad supplied it, but he did sit me down and say, We're not rich. If we were rich, we'd go to Purdue, but we're not. So we're going to a state college. So anyway, um, but finance was where my head was and where my heart was. And so I worked in the markets on the side for really the time I was 16. I don't want to make this too much about me. But so what, early on, as I was studying about money and banking and how this thing is a big fraud, I started to move toward the Murray Rothbard. I have to get that name out there, an anti-statist from the Austrian school, and listen to a series of lectures. And one of the guys at work had uh, cassette tapes in the day, and he gave me one every 
once a week or so to listen to on my commute. I listen to this gentleman called Jim Dines, and this is my point. I'm getting to it right now. He gets on the platform behind the lectern and says, all that exists, all that exists in the universe is truth or resistance to it. And he went on from there with the speech talking about how we've been manipulated in the banking system. Basically, what he said after that was, in the time I made that statement, we've printed more dollars and watering the milk never works. But I don't want to make this financial. I want to give back to you. But that truth or resistance to it, that's like, wow, that is a powerful statement. So I just want to turn that. And that inspired me to the point of where I wanted to do for a living what I've been doing for the last 25 plus years. But back to you, I want your comments on yeah, so, what truth so, means to you and how it fits into the bigger picture. Yeah, so David, as you know, um, truth, in my view, is actually a verb, okay? It's sort of a gerund verb, meaning truth is a process that takes place, and you could call that process a scientific method. Um, but truth is cannot exist in a vacuum without something called freedom, because freedom is the ability to move information, matter, and energy, all right? And so, but truth and freedom cannot exist alone, but you need a third element, which is a structural element to contain all of this. Let's call that, in this case, health, economic health, infrastructure health, physical health, et cetera. So I, I don't use the word and, I put truth, freedom, health. So to me, truth itself, which is a process, cannot exist without movement, which is the aspect of freedom, and cannot exist without infrastructure, which is health. Now, these three principles, truth, freedom, health, um, the I think the important breakthrough that came out of my work over the last 50 years has been to recognize that those three are, they're not words, they're actually principles. In fact, engineering principles that match one-to-one, -one, if you go to the engineering world, and you take a general general systems theory class, you would learn three concepts called transport, conversion, storage. The conversion is the aspect are, of where you're taking stuff from one form to another, right? Conversion process. A, an engine is the conversion process. You put in fuel, you get motion, right? You eat stuff, you get energy, right? Your digestion process. You hear information, you create uh, wisdom out of it, the cognition process, right? So these are conversion processes. These processes also require motion, which in engineering science we call transport. Again, very related to freedom, just like conversion is related to truth. And in engineering, transport and conversion cannot exist without some vessel to contain it, okay? Right now, simple example, everyone is breathing in air. You breathe in air, the air is moving in and out. That's a motion transport. It goes into our lungs and the alveoli interact with the capillaries to do gas conversion, right? The O2 um, is, uh, the CO2 is exchanged for O2, so you get oxygen in your blood, but all of this is occurring in the vessel, in the infrastructure of your lungs. Transport, conversion, storage. Phenomenal concepts. Freedom, truth, and health. So when I look at truth, David, I cannot see it as truth. It has to be connected to freedom and infrastructure health. Now, what's fascinating is the ancient systems of Indian yoga and medicine, they use the words pitta, vatha, and kapha. Pitta was a conversion process in the universe. Vatha was the movement process 
and kapha was the storage process. So no one had ever, so if you think about what I just shared with you without going into the whole course, and I recommend we'll play a video on truth, freedom, health, is that every child should be taught this, David, because you are now literally being taught the science of everything. You can use this to understand your body as a system. You can use it to understand politics as a system. You can use it to understand, um, you know, the iPhone as a system, anything. So truth, getting back to truth, David, I can't see it without these two other components. But truth is a process of conversion. It's a conversion process. That conversion process to most people would be known as a scientific method. And that method is where you throw out all sorts of crazy ideas and you encourage crazy ideas. Innovation is a conversion process. All sorts of ideas are thrown out, but you need freedom for that. So a whole diversity of ideas. And then through a process of gathering data, testing those ideas to seeing if the hypothesis you have of some phenomenon matches the actual data, some ideas get thrown out. Just like someone trying to create a new uh, innovation, it may work, it may not, it gets thrown out or kept. And then you end up with a finite set of truths, right? Uh, or laws. And then um, that is the process and it's an ongoing process. So, for example, Isaac Newton in the 1600s had a theory or he could predict, you know, why an apple fell or why two objects were attracted to each other. That was known as a law of gravitation. And he created an equation describing that, you know, the mass of one times the mass of the other times the gravitational force divided by the distance squared could always describe that force. And it stood the test of time. Einstein came along and he described why that worked. That became called the capital T theory. Now, but did it end there? No, it got refined because when we understood when objects move at the speed of light, you have to even refine that through something called the Lorentz transformation. So it's not Newton was wrong, but under certain conditions, you have to refine that. So that, so truth itself can be refined. And so we need to respect that. So we can't say like all these people came before us were dumb and they didn't get it. They may have gotten it to a certain point, but we as a new generation are supposed to refine it and refine it and refine it just like yourself. So truth is a process, David, but truth is so intimately connected to freedom and health, right? Infrastructure, your physical health, that you can't divorce the both from that. So in the Indian system, when they drew a diagram, they'll put pitta in the middle, which is a conversion process, and they'll put vatha, which is kinetic energy, really, motion, and kapha, which is potential energy, you see? So the potential energy and the, the, the kinetic energy are connected through the conversion process. So you could argue there's a whole body of ideas out there. And there's a whole body of uh, how the universe actually operates, the actual structural piece. And you have to go through this process of truth to get that. So that's the way I view truth, David. It's a little bit of a different um, take on it, but I think it matches. That's why if you notice... We have that thing, truth, freedom, health, and we and that and so when people understand, they can say, they can start seeing this in the context of um, system science. So, so then people say, well, so there's a lot of people, the nerds, David, are probably or the scientists are all about truth. They work in their labs all day trying to win the Nobel Prize, but that same scientist may be insular to why that scientist should take a position on the First Amendment or the Second Amendment. And this is where the breakdown occurs because 
You have the scientists live in their silos thinking they're pursuing truth. The activists live in their silos. Well, I'm going to go to a protest. I'm going to fight for the first or second amendment. And then sort of the people are into yoga, right? Or taking care of their health or in the gym and they're doing yoga. They're going to an ashram. They're in the health piece, right? And you've siloed people now. And the reality is if you truly want to make a whole human being, they have to be a scientist, seeker of truth. They have to be a freedom fighter, seeker of freedom, an activist. And they have to be someone who takes care of the health. So a whole human being is thinking, innovating, right? The truth piece. They are fighting, right? For freedom. And they're healing themselves. Think, fight, and heal. And that's what our movement is about. Truth, freedom, health is ultimately about empowering you. It's really about empowering you to get off your butt, <laughs> to think, fight, and heal for yourself, for your children, your family, your community, individually and collectively. You have to be doing both. You have to connect this to your personal life, your personal struggles, and to the collective struggles. But it's ultimately about teaching people to think, fight, and heal. The thinking is a truth aspect. The fighting is for freedom. And the healing is for health. But you have to do all of it, David. You can't just do one. And for many, many years, probably, you know, when the Industrial Revolution took place, we started just like the assembly line. We said, okay, you guys get to do truth. You're the nerds. You will wear glasses. You will have little twitches, right? You will look like nerds. You have a nasally voice. And we'll consider you the smart guys. And you guys are the rednecks. You get to fight for the Second Amendment, right? You get to be or the whatever, the people, the activists. And you people get to be all healthy looking and you are the you wear your spandex. You see what I'm saying? They've created these stereotypes. And as long as you put the people in these buckets, you're never going to get real truth. You're never going to get real freedom and you're never going to get real health. Um, so all of them have to come together, David. And in by the way, in the ancient, um, many, many of the ancient cultures, even archetypically, you know, all these three were embodied, the healer, the fighter, and the, you know, the, the thinker, right? We're all embodied in the same individual. Somewhere along the way, we separated them, you know, out. But for example, in the Indian ancient system of Indian yoga, a vaidhir in the Tamil language was someone who was a warrior, the fighter, and a healer, and someone who was a thinker, right? The enlightened ones, they were all three. If we go look at even the in the Christian culture or the Christian archetypes, like Saint Michael, he was he's a warrior who chased right Lucifer out of uh, uh, heaven, and he's known as a person you prayed to for healing, and he's very thoughtful, right? So these three phenomenon were in the same people. So we have to raise all of our standards, and we have to embody truth, freedom, health. If you want to have truth. You have to embody truth, freedom, and health. If you want to have freedom, you have to embody truth, freedom, and health. And if you want to have real health, you have to embody truth, freedom, and health. You can't separate them. Great. Thank you for that. That's uh, quite enlightening. And uh, I'm sure that a lot of people will benefit from what you just said. Uh, I've already pre-planned this, so I'm going to go ahead and press on. But uh, as I did separate them and not integrate them, um, I know it's a partial differential equation, but... Uh, Let's go ahead and play this video, Bruce, because I want my people and maybe your viewers as well may get something out of this. It yeah. really is more of an emotional statement as far as how much freedom means and how little 
um, emphasis is put on it. So we can just run this video. So David, after we do this, I want to I want to just make sure we talk about the election selections and what are the solutions because it, sure. it's something very practical we can apply this to. Go ahead. Yeah, you bet. Yep, absolutely. We're not getting any sound. Yeah, we're not getting any sound. Gotcha. So I, I, if you're not hearing sound, I can just do this and post at it, David, and we can okay. make, make okay. it. Okay. We'll get that. Um, you've already covered freedom, so I'll take over. I'll give you my last question, then we'll move on yeah. to what you want to move on. Go ahead, David. Okay. So Dr. Shiva, thank you so far. And the last thing I want to comment on is how I feel about um, health. So we've covered how I feel about truth, we've covered how I feel about freedom, and covered about I'm going to talk about health. And it's really not about me, it's you, and you brought in the systems approach of the integration. And I agree. I think that they did a superb job on why you just can't have truth over here and why separating this out in that, well, you're a health nut, you're a thinker, or you're a, you know, redneck doer or, you know, warrior. And that's true. I mean, that's what the uh, swarm has done. They've just made as many divisions as possible. So coming back from the time I started this venture of, of my passion about teaching about, um, basically the, the banking system and financial systems and uh, resource stocks and that type. I've signed off every letter with this. Dr. Shiva, I've wrote, wishing you health above wealth, comma, wisdom beyond knowledge. And the reason I sign off every letter like that, even though it's a financial newsletter, is because the old adage, when you have your health, you're as rich as any king, certainly applies to everyone. And in my particular case, um, directly to the way my father made a great deal of, uh, of money late in his life on the southern phone industry, which I actually advocated to him. And he said, yes, this is an investment of a lifetime. And at the time, my mom was saying, well, who would want a cell phone, right? And now, of course, the whole planet has them. But well, to make this too much, but I honored the fact that health is more important than any amount of money. And the second part, and you don't have to comment on this, is wisdom beyond knowledge, because Knowledge is power to me is erroneous. I mean, having the knowledge and it's not applied really doesn't mean that much. But applied knowledge, where you put it into action, now that's wisdom. And wisdom to me is knowing how the world works and working with it. Kind of like how you integrated truth, freedom, and health all together. And uh, so I just like your comment. Uh, you've already talked to you about health. You can make a brief summation. And we want to move into the selection versus election process and uh, and finish up. Yeah, so, so David, health is, from a system standpoint, it's a structural piece, right? You talk about, the, you talk about, you know, we can talk about uh, institutional health, organizational health, physical health, infrastructure health, right? Um, health is really the vessel in which the processes of truth and freedom can e exist or um, in the in the in the engineering system, you would say infrastructure is necessary for transport and conversion to take place. 
the kapha element is necessary for vatha and pitta to take place. Again, to everyone new, uh, before we end, I'll play a video called On Truth, Freedom, and Health, but um, what we're talking about is a fundamental way that you can see everything in the universe. So health is really the infrastructure. And I think, David, you know, having gone through the course, if you look at your body right now, none of what you're talking, that we're talking about, the motion or the thinking or the cognition, uh, digestion, all these processes could not take place unless you had the vessel, right? Your physical body, your bones, your skeleton, the fascia, right? These are the structural components that sustain you. Health is the, uh, the, you know, the economic health of a country. If you don't have that, if you don't have proper roads and bridges and infrastructure, freedom doesn't really have any place to really move through, right? It's, 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 there's no vessel for it to move through. As simple as if you made a, uh, if, how would you make oatmeal without having a bowl to make it in, right? It's that simple. So health is very, very important because it is the thing that contains your existence, probably the best way to describe it. And the quality of your existence is going to be a, a function of the quality of that infrastructure. So if you look at your physical health, um, the key variable or the key performance indicator, the word that best describes your health is a word called resilience. And you know this from engineering, David, right? Resilience. You know, you can say that structure is resilient. Um, in, in building structures, if you look at skyscrapers, you know, we used to build skyscrapers that stood stiff, earthquake could come out crack. But now people build uh, building structures that are resilient. You know, in Japan, yeah. all the buildings are built on rollers. They have a certain flexibility. Um, trees, if a hard wind comes, if you have a brutal tree, it's going to break. But if the tree knows how to bend, you know, and come back, back to its original position, that's called resilience. You go to work out, right? You exercise, you feel sore the next day. If you just stop there, it's not going to help. You got to go back in and your body gets resilient. Um, in the military, they do a process called stress inoculation. That's called boot camp, right? They just don't throw you into war. You get inoculated with a little bit of stress. You get used to it and you get a little more and a little more and then you get stronger and stronger and stronger. You start exercising your body. You do a little bit. You feel sore. You don't stop. You go back in and you go back in. So resilience is a key variable that defines the health of anything. Um, you can Google right now, everyone should do it right now, you can type in resilient systems, right? They want an economy to be resilient. Um, they want infrastructure to be resilient, right? Um, a hurricane comes and, you know, okay, it blows out one city, but it doesn't destroy all the cities, right? It destroys some infrastructure, not, not all of it, and you're able to come back. So one of the key things in engineering theory right now is called creating resilient systems, now, if you apply that, David, on the health side, you know, and I, I want to go over to elections, but if you look at something like the healthcare system, what is the goal of healthcare? Well, the goal of healthcare ultimately is to make an individual resilient. Okay. The immune system was designed to be resilient. So when right when you're born, you know, um, you get proper conditions where you're being exposed to all different kinds of antigens. Your mother gives you proper milk, right? Your body starts training itself to handle these different exogenous things. And then you get stronger. You go play in the dirt. Okay. Initially you may get a little, little bit of some type of allergens, but you get strong. We're supposed to be exposed to stressors, which make um, us healthy. 
So resilience, David, is the best word to describe that. And the resilience, how you need to go to that path to your resilience may be very different than my path, David. So if you grew up in a world where you were insulated all day in an artificial environment, your parents never let you go out, which is what they're doing now, you're going to be forced to get artificial immunity, right? So if, if you lived on Earth all day and you never lived on Mars, before you landed on Mars, you're going to have to beef up your immune system or someone's going to say, I'm going to have to give you an artificial immunization known as a quote unquote vaccine, right? On the other hand, if I grew up playing in the dirt all day and all th th those kind of things, I'm not going to need those things. So we need to understand resilience is a key, David. That really explains you know, uh, what health really, how you can measure the health of any system. Very good. Well, thanks for letting me have a little bit of a direction in this interview. Let me just turn it over. You want to go to the elections. Uh, as I said, political forte is not my... my yeah, I, I, I really dislike the whole system, but that doesn't mean someone like you can't make a huge difference. So... Yeah. So, David, you know, we, you know, as engineers, we look at these things as systems. I, to, you know, to, to give you the background is, um, since in 1984, when I saw Reagan running against, who's a guy, Mondale, you may remember this, um, and they were the obvious shoulders of the establishment. Um, there was an emerging thing called the Tea Party was coming, which was the right wing of that establishment. But you also, in those days, you had a, a very well-defined left wing, which was a guy called Jesse Jackson. You may remember this guy. And he was talking a bunch of stuff as though he was anti-establishment, very much like Tulsi Gabbard or all these people who say the right words. But ultimately, he corralled all the you know, idealists and brought him in. And at the last minute, he said, oh, you got to choose a lesser of two evils, right? And that was Mondale in his view. Now, since 1970 to 80 till today, David, what we've had in the world is pushing this lesser of two evils. And people have been incessantly brainwashed into this concept. And, you know, as you know, I've shared before, that has led to that graph. And that graph, if you can see it, is a red line in that graph is the life expectancy of the U.S. public over the last 60 years. And you notice it's going downward. It's that red line. The gray line, David, is the life expectancy of the industrialized nation. You notice they're going to start trending downward too because everyone follows America. But the bottom line is that the life expectancy is going downward. So from a scientific and an engineering standpoint, you know, your plane, <laughs> the altitude is going down. It's a very important key performance indicator. So over the last 70 years, it's going down. Now, many of the people who haven't studied engineering they will say, oh, that has to do with the vaccines over the last two years. Well, actually, it's not true. Oh, it has to do with Obamacare. Well, that's actually not true either. Oh, it has to do with poisons. And well, that's also not just the truth. It's a whole bunch of little things, David. And from an engineering standpoint, we call that a systems problem. It's a whole bunch of things that have led to that graph. All right. And so we need a systems overhaul. And now you get into how we are taught how such a systems overall is going to take, or how things change, David. We are, thought, we are taught that you go participate in this swarm democracy, quote-unquote bourgeois democracy. You go vote on this particular day, and now it's not even a day, with mail-in ballots, and that is exercising, that's being an activist. And then you go back to your life, and you're outsourcing everything to these people called politicians. All right, so that's the system that they've created. 
but that system has led to that graph. So clearly it's not working. So if you were seeing that and anyone listening, if you're a parent, the lesser of two evils is literally killing your children. And this is no hyperbole. Your child now has a shorter lifespan than you. Many of you may already know, just look at it empirically, there's people who are living to 90 and they have children who've died when they're 60 or 65, all right? And that's where that graph shows. And again, it's not any one thing. Don't get lost. It's a systems issue. Now, David, that's what I'm running on as a very important, it's a way for me to introduce people to a systems issue. You give that graph, then you teach people on this. By the way, we on Shiva for President, everyone can go get this flyer. And then we recommend, we teach people that. Then we teach people what the swarm is. And then we teach people, hey, get involved in the movement for truth, freedom, health to learn how to defeat this and come to our open house. So we have very clear things and I'll come back to this. Now, why am I running for president if I know elections are selections? Big question. And the question is, why are election selections, right? Well, if you think about it again, people may think, oh, yes, Dr. Shiva said their signature verification is not working. The ballot images are being deleted. They have the ability to wait. The machines have the capability. If you got a thousand votes, David, and I got a thousand votes, believe it or not, the machines have a feature um, called the weighted race feature. The number of votes you got, David, can be multiplied by a variable two. So you get 2000 votes and multiplied by 0.5 for me, I get 500 votes and the machines have this feature, but that's one example that they can do after an election. They also have this capability, which I did essentially two major reports are conclusively showed that when they get mail-in ballots, people have to sign their signature on the ballot. It comes in to a facility, novices, not trained document examiners, get four to 10 seconds to see your signature compared to the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles. And they have to say if they match or not. If they do not match a percentage of them, you have to go and do much more manual review. Well, what I discovered was a very small subset are ever told that they do not match. It's called curing. And I showed how the percentage of that in two clinical trials that I did. The other example that occurs on election days, these ballots are going through the ballot machines and a picture is taken of them called ballot images. According to a law that was passed 50 years ago, it encouraged audits and it said those images have to be saved. Now it's called chain of custody. Well, my own election that we know we won in Massachusetts, they destroyed all those images, David. And when I shared that they destroyed them, I was thrown off Twitter. And when I discovered that the way they threw me off Twitter was through this backdoor portal, the government infrastructure into Twitter and companies that I was permanently thrown off, okay? But everything I'm share, sharing with you, three important things, the weighted race feature, the ballot images being not preserved, which they are supposed to be by federal law, and um, you know signature verification not being done. These are very, very big things. And I was the first to really expose all this as an engineer, as a scientist, as a victim of this in 2020, which went viral. Trump used all of that to raise about a half a billion dollars, and he did nothing about it. Mike Lindell actually took the realities and started talking about all sorts of garbage and sold a lot of pillows. So the real fundamental issues never got addressed. Now, let's go upstream from that, because we're engineers, David. We like to think about things from a supply chain standpoint, right? Elections are selections long before November elections. 
their selections because who gets to even participate in these elections? Well, first of all, they have two parties. Who gets to even be on TV to even get on the debate stage in any of these two parties? In order to do that, you have to get something else called visibility, all right? Are you visible? So the elections or selection starts, I gave you sort of the fraud that goes on in the machines and the processing on election day. But when we look at it from a whole system standpoint, this stuff occurs way before, right? It occurs by the fact who you're even given on TV even to see as a candidate. It starts right there. There's a whole bunch of people, but you're only shown these five people or these three people on the Democrat or Republican side. For that matter, you're not given access to the whole range of candidates because the same people who are controlling who's seen are the same people who are the ones who are funding those people who enable people to be seen, all right? So the elections being selections, we have to look at the entire systems process. It begins with who, who gets visibility. So I can speak on a very personal note, David, you know, in 2018, um, we ran, first time I've ever run, and the only reason I decided to run was because we wanted to build a movement. I've always told people, if you think you're running for office to win under their battleground, it's just nonsense. You're misleading people. So when we ran, we said, look, we're building a movement for Truth, Freedom, Health, and we're going to run against this woman called Elizabeth Warren, who has nothing to do with freedom, truth, nor health. And she's the one, David, you may remember, she promoted herself that she was a Native American. You may remember this. So our slogan was only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. A great slogan. It took off. And we were the ones who forced her to take the DNA test, which she absolutely failed, not Trump. But in that aspect, what we did, David, we educated people. This person has no integrity. It wasn't about race. It was about here's a person in Massachusetts, liberal Massachusetts, who's actually the racist. She uses race for her own advancement. So we raised people's consciousness there. That was 2018. 2020, we said, okay, we'll run as Republicans because in many ways, I should be the epitome of the Republican story, right? Bottoms up, meritocracy, all this. Well, the Republicans in 2020, in the primary election in September of 2020, uh, find someone to run against me who was nowhere to be found. Now, in our case, to show you the difference between our elections or selections, we actually got 3,000 volunteers all over Massachusetts. People actually went out and distributed flyers every day. We actually did real campaigning. We actually got all of our 20,000 signatures to get on the ballot. We followed the rules like everyone else is supposed to. Well, they the Republicans found a guy. The only thing he had was a last name called O'Connor in Massachusetts, didn't have one lawn sign up, maybe one on a good day, no campaign. Here we have 3,000 volunteers, 25,000 lawn signs, you know, tens of thousands of bumper stickers, raised 2 million bucks in a primary. This guy barely raised $100,000, was nowhere to be found. But on election day, David, he somehow mysteriously wins in every county where machines were used. And in the one county in Massachusetts where it's hand-counted paper ballots, I win by 10 points, okay? And that's when we realized, you know, the manipulation they do on election day. But you see, the election being selection had occurred before that because they had made sure their guy would get all the visibility 
on, they wouldn't even put us on the debates, right? But we got out there to people, all right? So the phenomenon I want people to understand is that the elections being selections is not only the corruption of the machines, not only the corruption of that mail-in ballots, not only the corruption of the lack of chain of custody in the ballot images being destroyed, but way upstream. You go to Harvard or Yale, you build your little clubs, right? You are part of the Brahmin caste, the modern Brahmin caste that's now pervaded the United States. It's a caste system. You're in the insider's club. You get visibility. Fucker Carlson will promote you. Joe Rogan will promote you because they're all part of that swarm. But a guy like me who has all the credentials, all the degrees, in, uh, they will make sure we are made invisible. And that is where elections or selections, David, it begins with the entire process of who is made visible. As you know, um, in 2020, we got our message out to about a half a billion people on the planet, half a billion people. Uh, I would do a tweet. It would get 30, 40, 50,000 retweets. The long fuse report coming out of Stanford said I had the same spread as Donald Trump did. Six of the top spreaders on the Internet. It's quite fascinating. So this became dangerous to the establishment, David, because a guy like me is not supposed to get that much visibility. So they had to take me off Twitter and they had to make sure when I'm running for president now that I'm not seen anywhere. And the problem that they're having, David, is because the invisibility that they do is actually backfiring on them. People are saying, wait a minute, that's the guy in 2020 who exposed the election fraud. How come he's not on mainstream media or on the grifter media? Inc.? That's the guy that exposed Fauci first. That's the guy that saved my life by telling me I should take vitamin D and quercetin and zinc and iodine and these things, right? So we have a very, very huge opportunity, David. That's why we know these elections are selections, right? The swarm has created that. Now, given, the, given their dynamics are not market efficient, what do we do? Well, the first thing, you know, just getting very tactical, we tell people to see yourself as an agent of change. Well, in order to see yourself as an agent of change, everything that we've just talked about, David, people need to absorb that, right? It's a very good discussion we just had leading to this. People need to recognize truth, freedom, health is something they have to do. They have to think, fight, and heal. No one else is going to do it for you. So when I hit Tulsi Gabbard really hard this morning, because, you know, she's a Zionist, she claims she's um, against the military industrial academic complex. Well, you're hanging around and schmoozing with Sheldon Adelson, that family and his wife and this other Zionist hoodlum. Well, and then you're claiming you're against the military industrial complex. And then you also on 9-11 re-promoted the fact that the Islamists did this thing, that it was it, it, it not could not have been anyone involved in the military industrial complex because after the two buildings came down, that's when we created the biggest military base in the Middle East, right? So we need to expose those people's duplicity. And as a part of exposing that, we're educating people why you need to become dispassionate and why you need to be the agent of change. And as a part of that, David, David, do you mind if I play our Truth, Freedom, and Health video? David, can you hear Please us? Give him, uh, let him have... Uh... Yeah, David, um, yeah, if you give me control, I just play it right here. Yeah. I say open, oh, go to meeting. 
open system preferences. Okay. Um, it, should, it should give you, I made you the presenter, so it should give you the ability to share one of your screens. Oh, okay. So what do I do? Do I just... So you can share share one of the screens. Oh, oh okay. And then you can play your video. So how do I... Oh, did I hit show? Is that what I do? Yeah. Yep, go ahead and hit show. Oh, okay. But which screen will it share? Uh, it depends on which one you're, you're going to be on. So now you should have an option down below show. It says screen. So do I hit show first? Um, you, you might have to hit show first to get that to activate. Okay, let me do that. Uh, I don't need to open system preferences, right? No. Okay. Okay, so it's showing. Do you see anything it's showing? Huh. Not yet. Okay, so I'm hitting show. Nothing is showing up. Okay, uh, let's see. I might not be able to do this. Let's see. Well, you know what? We can do the same thing. I can, okay. Uh, yeah, I can play it afterwards. Can I can play it out. Yeah. So there. I'll play it afterwards for people. That's okay. Um, so you can stop the show. So what I wanted to share with people was that when you really start looking at this, we start recognizing that the individual has to take responsibility for themselves, David. And that's what really emerges out of this. It's a collective piece, but it's also very individual. So the individual starts to need to recognize that they are ultimately the source of their own liberation, right? So they have to learn how to think, fight, and heal. And I'll play the video after, after we're done with this. But that becomes very, very important because once people learn how to do that, they start recognizing, oh, I now can use the fact that Dr. Shiva is running for president, right? Because when our run for president is clearly telling people, I'm doing this because we need to build a movement. It's really the tip of the spear of that movement. And so one of the things people can do, it may seem like a simple thing, they can literally go, um, is that showing up for you or no? Am I, yes. hold, am I holding this up? Okay. The, the thing people can do is they can literally go, I think it's stuck, isn't it? On your end? No, we're seeing you perfectly. Oh, okay. Yeah, what people can do is they can go and get one of these bumper stickers, AchieverForPresident.com. Now, why is this bumper sticker important? Because a lot of people work for a living, and if they put this on the back of their windshield, David, 100,000 people will see it per day. So, you know, on views, we're lucky if we get so many views with all the shadow banning that takes place. That's one active thing people can do. The other thing that we want people to do, David, is um, I was just talking to one of uh, another guy out of uh, Indiana, Chris Bradley, you know, he works full time, but he went to the site and he downloaded this flyer. You don't have to print it in color. You can print it in black and white. This is old school, David, 1800s, 1900s. And if people go to the 1800s, late 1800s, 1900s, women, men would make flyers, you know, they would print them. They would hand them out on street corners. And we've done in the, in, you know, in that same version, we have the Dr. Shiva for president, and the message is a lesser of two evils is killing your children. As I mentioned, it's got that graph. So right away, people understand what is a main issue. They have on the bottom over here, they have the swarm video. They can take their iPhone and they have a bunch of other solutions on the on this side here. Right. And invite people to the town hall. So we want people to if they're a little more adventurous. Now you're getting into. And by the way, David, you talked about consciousness right at the beginning. For someone to put a, put a bumper sticker on, that's a pretty high state of consciousness because it's not just watching you and me here, right? They're making a right. decision 
that they want to change their lives. That putting a bumper sticker in the back of the windshield, if you just give a bumper sticker to people, I've noticed they just leave it on their dining room table. But putting it on the back of their car, right, is an important act. Downloading a flyer, then going to a shopping mall and handing it out, that's a much higher state of consciousness, David, right? Because you're now putting yourself out there vulnerably and you're handing that out, right? That's Those are two very important things that we want to keep this simple for people. And obviously, as a part of this and the thinking piece is where people actually take the Truth, Freedom, and Health course, because now they're saying, I want to understand this dynamic. I want to understand how all of this works. So I'm not just sitting there, you know, um, being an instrument that is going to get used, right? I actually want to understand how all of this works, right? The physics of this, and that's what you were saying that you had gone through, David. So those are the things that we want to really engage people to do, um, is to be a warrior, which is get on the ground, be a scholar, right? Which is to learn the course, but most importantly, start recognizing that they are the actual agent of change. There's no uh, Messiah um, coming to help us here, you know, quote unquote Messiah, you know? Uh, I don't want to uh, attack people's religious sentiments, but there's not some someone coming here to do this for us, David. I like to call it the big daddy syndrome. You know, as you talked about earlier, there's a certain uh, political candidate that's an actor that, uh, a lot of people are aligned with and they just don't want to get off their butts and do anything. They want daddy to come and solve it. Yeah. I learned very, very early in life that, you know, you're an adult when you realize the cavalry isn't coming to the rescue. Right. In other words, we have to defend for ourselves and if you go back to the purportedly how the nation was founded. All our rights came from a higher power or natural law or God is to see God. And it was government was only put together to secure and protect those rights. So all of our God-given rights, only reason government existed was to secure those rights. So people would say, well, it's my constitutional right, this and that. No, it's your God-given constitutionally secured right. But those days are long gone. There was that constitution, there's a constitution 1871, where it's really a corporation and on and on. I don't want to go down that path too far. And I want to end with you. I want you to have the last word, but, uh, in your book here, near the end, you talk about uh, the guys going up to the guru and, you know, having failure after failure and talking about, well, that was yesterday, today's today. And I like that very much. And I being an engineer type of mindset, and using logic and trying to apply systems analysis, not, certainly not to the level of Dr. Shiva, but certainly having a better grasp than most. Um, I do have a bit of a sense of humor. So I have to tell this joke. Of course, I'm going to hand it back to you. But we've been... You know, pretty serious the whole way through, and it's typical of our natures as, as we are very pragmatic about what we do. But not the only joke I know, but it's a, a seeker, a couple seekers, actually, that they've tried everything. They've gone to the ashrams. They've done, you know, Scientology. They've looked at this, that. They've read every philosophical book. They've been in every church, and they're just not there. So they finally go to the mountain, and they go up, 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 and they finally get to the guru in the cave and they sit before him and they ask him that they want enlightenment. And he sits there with a big pause and he says, enlightenment, enlightenment, lighten up. <laughs> so I want to let everyone know that we can have fun doing this as well. It's not all serious. I tend to be too serious, but we can lighten up, you know, have that joy of passing out these flyers. 
have the joy of sticking that bumper sticker on the back windshield. Have the joy of meeting somebody new or being out there, being much more spontaneous. I mean, when you hand out a flyer, you, that's in the moment. That's in the now. That's actually being present. You know, the gift we have is being present. We don't want to be in the past. We don't want to be in the future. We want to be in the now and actually live. And I think you're bringing a great deal of that to mankind, womankind, with the True Freedom Health Movement. Now that I understand it better, even though I've been through the first one time. So yeah, David, you, you yeah, I, I really like what you said, man. It's, it's really important to understand what you're saying because, um, you know, when I, I give you an example we used to do fly when I first came to MIT, right? There was a student newspaper there, and I became a pretty early activist because I really wanted to understand systems. And there was, a, you know, the and you know, all this shit starts at a very young age. If you go to any of these universities, they already have an existing media organization, the student newspaper. Well, the Harvard or MIT actually funds those student newspapers. Who becomes editor of those newspapers? Many of those guys end up going to the New York Times. You know, the guy who's the editor of the MIT Tech became an editor over at the New York Times, all right? So they groom all these people starting at the university level. So MIT would fund millions of dollars to the local student newspaper. And we started noticing all these problems, right? And we started a little flyer, just two pages, David, two-sided, you know? And we would put news on two columns and we would just go off on people, all right? And it was funny. We would go out at six in the morning as students were coming. We pass out these flyers. Within hours, we would have distributed 5,000. We became one of the most popular. It was satirical. It was funny, right? But the most important thing I noticed was when you passed out these flyers, it was a lot of fun figuring out what would make people take the flyer, right? And sometimes you said wacky stuff, right? So we went out handing out flyers and, uh, you know, we would say to hell with the uh, to hell with Democrats and Republicans. Some people like that. We have some guy who's shy and he would just be very nice. And you say, hey, would you like a flyer? Some people would take that because he was just being nice. Uh, other people would say, uh, you know, they're killing your children. Oh, that's interesting. So you start learning because you only have like three seconds as someone's walking to you why they should take your flyer. If you want to learn how to message to people, get on the ground. You don't even have 280 characters. You have maybe three seconds. So you learn a lot of marketing that way. But it's fascinating because someone will take your flyer and get really angry and crush it and throw it up. It's just a little flyer. You know, they get so angry. So you have that experience. But unless you've been on the ground handing out these flyers, you really don't have an experience in many ways, in my view, of putting yourself out there and being living in a democratic system. Remember, in Australia, you can't hand out flyers. In many countries, you can't hand out a flyer. And probably soon in the United States, they'll try to shut this down because social media is already shut down. So while 3% of the world's population still has somewhat of the First Amendment, it's gone on social media, thanks to Elon Musk and the government and all of them. They're all part of it. But offline, you still have a little bit of, and it gives you a chance to duel. You know, we went to the train station, we we're handing them out. The cops come out and they say, oh, you can't uh, take pictures here and do this. Most people say, oh, okay, thank you, Masa, I got to leave, right? We said, no, no, no. Do you know something called the First Amendment, right? And they go, uh, well, I go, yeah, there's here are the two court rulings why you can't stop me here doing a political campaign. And then we had a, we pulled out our iPhone. Oh, you can't do that. I said, yes, I can. It teaches you to have balls to go ahead. And 
those are the things I learned as a 17, 18, 19 year old kid. I don't think the average 17 to 20 year old kid knows how to go within the democratic system and do this. Most Americans don't know how to do this. They've become entertainers. They become wanting to be entertained, David. So while I enjoy people giving us positive comments, looking at this, I'm telling you for your own sake, go to shivaforpresident.com. Do this because we're giving you the opportunity. It's like to participate, to get in the boxing ring, right? Put on a bumper sticker. It's a good way to say F you to the other candidates. You do that. You're now pumping up your chest. You'll feel good. Go download a flyer. Keep it in your glove compartment. Go to your public library. Some of them should let you print on their system. Then you'll have the interaction with the library. Oh, you can't do that. Yes, I can. Where's my tax dollars? You're going to have all these interesting conversations, and you're going to see all the ways that the system tries to stop you from just giving out a flyer. Every time we go out, the cops show up. We'll go in front of Whole Foods on a, oh, well, you can't. Oh, yes, I can. Cops show up. Then they'll show up. They'll typically say, oh, I like this flyer. <laughs> and they'll say, yes, he can, do, he can do that. So you're going to have all these interactions that you've never had before. You're going to have to face people trying to stop you. So that's what this is about, David. It's a lot of fun, to your point, but you start engaging people in the physical world that they do not want us to do anymore, David. And that's the, in many ways, that's a gift we want to give people. Absolutely. Well, I am going to give you back the last word, but this this came up in my mind early yeah. on and it really jogged it. So way back before YouTube, we did a streamer streaming channel on another business I was with that failed. But I was interviewing the political candidates for the independent or the Libertarian Party and the Green Party. Uh -huh. And the main candidates were over in Miami Stadium, which was Bush and Gore. Yeah, and uh, Harry Brown, Libertarian ca candidate, two times president, B R O W N E. I'm not sure you're aware of him, but Harry was had one microphone. I had the other. We're interviewing the Green candidate. We're interviewing the Libertarian candidate, and I want to go across the street to get um, some interviews of just people on the street about Gore and um, and the uh, Bush and the less the lesser of two evils, and there was all these uh, cages over there. And I said, what is that? Those were free speech zones. You had to be within the cage and get permission to go into the free speech zone in order to do any actual interviewing. Yeah. And that's where I got one of those, what I call a God shot, where it hit the pit of my stomach and made me literally sick to think that this is what our situation, our, our government had come to thinking back to what I was taught and what I know the founding fathers uh, envisioned. You know, government's there to protect those rights, protect free speech. You're supposed to be on my side, Mr. Cop. You know, and here's the reasons why you do that. And I could go on further, but it was one of those moments of my life that I couldn't believe. And that was years ago. I'm in the Bush-Gore campaign. I forget how many years ago that was, but Nope. As a journalist, you could only get in there if you went through the free speech zone. Yeah. So, David, this is a very important thing. I think what people need to understand is that when I said the elections are selections, I hope we understand there's the phenomenon with the machines and the chain of custody and signature verification, right? That piece. There's a piece on who gets visibility. But they make it so difficult for anyone to campaign outside of their, right? So in order to campaign... They want to drive you to raise a lot of money, David, right? 
and to get on big media, give your money away to consultants. And they want to make it very difficult to actually, they're making, they want to make it difficult for you to hand out a flyer, David. So if you literally go and go try to do this, I recommend go to a public place. If you, if there's like a Whole Foods and there's a public area, again, don't block people. When you start handing out the flyer, immediately the manager, nine out of 10 times will come out, David. And they'll say, you can't hand out flyers here. Then you have to say, wait a minute. This is a political campaign. Let me show you the Pruneyard ruling and this ruling. I have every right because the Supreme State Supreme Court in multiple states uh, supported the First Amendment. They say doing a political campaign, you can pass out flyers and collect signatures even in front. Check this out, David. It's a very good ruling. Even on private property, David, did you know this? It becomes a town plaza. So you can actually go inside a mall, even in the open area, and so this is a fascinating thing, but most people don't know this. So most people say, oh, I guess I can't do that. Bye. I'm just going to go home and watch TV. But if you know that, you'll do that. Um, but there, what's happened is they do not want people doing this, David, they don't, because this is pennies. This is decentralized, right? They want people raising hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars and sending it to their friends in a very sterilized way of doing campaigning. They do not want guerrilla campaigning at all. Um, give you another example, David. Um, many of the cities will try to, if I put a lawn sign, right, on my lawn sign, on my lawn, my property, some of the cities say, oh, you cannot put lawn signs up until 40, 60 days before the election. Did you know this, David? I've heard of it. Yeah. Yes. So what we taught people is, first of all, we would teach people, write this one letter to that town official and say, you know, there's something called the First Amendment. A local town rule can't do that. And if you do that and you say, I will sue you, you'll never hear from them again. So what's happening is when people try to come out to be an independent activist, they have set up so many ways to stop people. And because people do not have that resilience anymore, David, they say, oh, Oh, Dr. Shiva, they told me I couldn't put a lawn sign on my lawn. I go, did you? I said, is that your lawn? Is that yours? Yes. The First Amendment cannot get subsumed at some state or local or city level. And then we have to teach people how to fight, David. So a lot of this is actually teaching people how to have the, the right hormones to fight, David. And that's what's happened. They have made this a consumer entertainment economy and people have forgotten their rights. And so people don't even push back when the government does this. And so part of what ends up happening is our campaign has got to do sort of almost the kindergarten job of teaching that, but that's okay. We do that, people learn, but that's what's gotta get done. Well, true pleasure. Thank you for giving me so much time. I definitely uh, hope that you will come back. I definitely want, want to watch, critique my own interview, which I seldom do, and then continue to watch further interviews and then probably come up with uh, an outline for stuff that maybe hasn't been touched or I think is, is, you know, melted down into what I think is the most important points to reiterate. So uh, press on and thanks for being such a leader and being humble at the same time. I don't see you as a man that uh, doesn't walk his walk all the way through. When you tell people to hand out flyers, who's there on the ground handing them out? Dr. Shiva. Yeah, we, I love, I, I got to tell you, um, I love handing out flyers. It may seem weird. It is one of the most compelling ways that you learn. You get to see people, what 
hits them, what doesn't, you refine your message, you actually, and you have out of a thousand people, you'll have like 10 good conversations, but you learn a lot of what's going on, a pulse of er the city, um, in a nation, a state, all of that. So I recommend everyone give yourself this experience, get those flyers, download them, go to Shiva for president. Our campaign is really about you. You know, I just happen to be the guy who's being the educator here and trying to get the knowledge out there. But we need lots and lots of people to raise their consciousness, David, and become leaders in their own communities and not say, oh, what, what about Trump? Why are you? Someone just put up on my thing um, earlier this morning. You know, you seem to be angry at everyone. You're bashing everyone. I go, OK, let's look at your sentence, bashing everyone. OK, we've bashed about 10 people. They're not everyone. Right. And the everyone we're talking about is actually 8 billion people. These people are actually the 0.0001% and they all must be bashed. And if you're not bashing them and you're not angry at them, then something is wrong with you. So people are just brainwashed into this way of thinking. And so the fun thing, David, is figuring out from an innovation standpoint, I consider this flyer an innovation. It's a weapon, right? So that's what we got to start teaching people. Anyway, David, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Thanks for the opportunity. Wish you and your audience and your family well. Thank you. Okay. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Um, that was uh, our conversation with David Morgan from the Morgan Report. So what I want to finish up here is, look, everyone, if you've listened to this this long, it was a good conversation. Remember, um, it's a lot of effort to educate people, and I enjoy doing it. It's a lot of effort to rip apart these bullshitters, right? Be it Trump and Rogan or fucker Carlson. I had to do Tulsi Gabbard today. And it's dirty work because I have to tell the truth. And then sometimes you take the heat from these ignorant people. Why are you doing that? You know, do we really have to do that? And what you realize is people are lazy because when you realize all these bullshitters who get all this visibility are in fact full of shit, the reason they actually get upset with me is not because they're upset with me. They're actually comes to the point where they realize, wow, uh, if Dr. Shiva saying Trump's full of shit and blah, 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 who's left? That means I have to do something. And that's what bothers them because they can't be lazy, right? And that is what bothers them. The fact is that they have to get off their butt. Now, the good news I want to let everyone know is we have created a lot of infrastructure because we know everyone works for a living, right? Their people all get paid. The Republican Party has billions of dollars and they have all these paid staff people. The Democrat Party has billions of dollars. Well, our movement, Truth From Health, doesn't have billions of dollars. But guess what? Labor, your activism is far more valuable than capital. Labor precedes capital. And that's what the secret that they do not want you to know. Your physical going out for an hour, your time handing that out. I can't put a number on that. You can give me thousands of dollars and I can hire people to hand out flyers. But that's not a movement. That's just a bullshit campaign. But you raising your consciousness, saying, shit, I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to go down to the thing. I'm going to print out these flyers. Now that's a high degree of human consciousness. All right. And that's what we need to do, all right? That's what um, people need to do. We need to raise your consciousness. So how does that begin? Well, first, you can just go do it. 
Go to Shiva for President. Let me show you where you get it. Um, you can literally go to the website, shivaforpresident.com, and I'll show you exactly how you can do it. Go to the website right now, and you can go to the website, which is here. Let me make it a little bit smaller. And first thing is you can go to the shop, all right? There's a very nice shop. You can say, let me order a bumper sticker. There you go. There's a bumper sticker. You can order 10 stickers. You can order one sticker. They're five bucks, and you can go get them, and, and we'll ship them out to you, okay? The other thing you can do, or you can order packs of 10. But the other thing we can do is if you don't have money, but you have your time, you can do something else. You can go to right here, free downloads. And we have open sources. So you can literally print out the bumper stickers, you see? And you can find a local person who will print that bumper sticker for you, or you can make it on your own. But we've put all the colors here. We put the specs. So it's called open sourcing, okay? You can order it from us. You can do it. The other thing I want everyone to do is go get this flyer. This flyer is very, very important because when you get this flyer, you now become an agent of change. You get this flyer, you hand it out. And again, this flyer educates people that they are killing your children. And the solution is, who are they? Who is the swarm? And why we must build a bottoms up movement. So I want to get in the next you know, year, I want to get 50 million of these put out. So I need each one of you to put out at least a thousand. All right. And we get... 10,000, 50,000 people doing that, we hit our numbers. And we will, because everyone's coming, recognizing this. But each one of you, get a 1,000 of these. This is over the next year. Still got about 400 days left. That's like basically putting out, you know, uh, you know, two and a half flyers, three flyers a day. So hand out three flyers a day, each day. And you are now becoming an activist. So do that, okay? Get these flyers out there. Go to Shiva for President and get a bumper sticker. If you have lots of money or money and you just want to donate, great. But when you donate to us, I want to enable you to think, to fight, and to heal. And that for that, we've created the Truth, Freedom, and Health program. And you get that as a gift based on you know whatever level you want to do it. So let me finish by uh, playing our campaign video, um, which is... Uh, actually, before that, I want to actually play our anthem video, and then I'll come back and say a few things, and we'll take some questions, actually. And I want you to recognize that everything I've just spoke with, David, each one of you can become a truth, freedom, health warrior, so you can learn to think, fight, and heal for yourself, your family, your children, so you become you know, agents of a systems revolution for truth, freedom, health. So let me play this video. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within, and the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you deep down inside them that you don't deserve the freedoms you have they don't this reality is what people need to wake up to and we need to all unite working people there's only one movement that can do that and that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom, and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four-year-old kid, studying revolutionary movements, left-wing, right-wing. There's a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. 
and that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. Wow. We got to train people first with understanding what a system is, the dynamics of all systems that affect nature. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas hypothesis into truth which is science and without freedom you can't really get to truth and without truth you make up fake problems and fake solutions which means you destroy our health and without health which is the infrastructure of us and our body you can't fight for freedom truth freedom health third concept is it has to be bottoms up working people people who work uniting and what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite that must be communist Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, Forget celebrities, you've got to learn politics, and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is the not-so-obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is the not-so-obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you, on the left and the right, the Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you, the Tucker Carlsons. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're going to follow some right wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. We're building a bottoms up movement. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own quote unquote people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum where people can go to truthfreedomhelp.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics. And I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people two years of MIT control systems. I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it. Anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I got to build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute, and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaign's expanded to the movement for truth, freedom, and health, and they can find it on truthfreedomhealth.com so people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, health leader, I offer a full scholarship there, but we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to truthfreedomhelp.com.
All right, everyone, just remember, every Thursday, as you can see it right there, at 11 a.m. EST and 8 p.m. EST, I do an open house. Um, they're really educational events. We take a topic and we go deep into them. Um, this week, get ready, we're going to go do a real systems analysis of what is the real cause of gun violence. What is the real cause of gun violence? And you're going to realize that both wings of the establishment, wherever they are, any part of the world, um, they're, both of them want to destroy the Second Amendment. Both of them. Um, and that's what they're headed on. Uh, that's the path that we're headed on. But there is a reality of, quote unquote, gun violence. What is the real source? And when you understand that, uh, you realize what's the real solution, too. So we're going to talk about that. No one has done the systems analysis. It's a very powerful educational event. We do every Thursdays, 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. Uh, you won't get this anywhere else, but please recognize that um, we take a systems approach. It's not left or right. So go to truthforhealth.com, become a warrior scholar, um, and uh, come to the open house. The other piece I want to also recommend to everyone before I sign off is um, go uh, support this campaign because this campaign is the outward manifestation of how you can actually be involved, um, uh, you know, in changing the world, right? You can go get a bumper sticker at Shiva for president and you can go get one of these flyers, okay? And be an on the ground activist. That's what all of you can do. And notice that we do, you know, uh, in 2020, we did a whole thing on masks and oral health. We're going to do educational seminars again, how you can fight the mask mandates, we have a lot of educational content to empower you. And some of you may not want to be empowered. You may want to think that the swarm is going to do something for you. And maybe it'll take you sort of 20 years to figure this out. And 20 years later, you'll be in the same position you are now. So it's might as well bite the bullet and learn this knowledge here and now. So anyway, I want to uh, wish everyone uh, a good night. Uh, be well. And as I sign off, you know, I'm going to play the Shiva for President video, but be well, thank you, because after this video, we're just going to end it. Thank you. Be well. Who would have ever thought I'd be running for President of the United States of America? I was born a low-caste untouchable in India's caste system, a system of aristocracy, oppression, and racism. My name is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I'm an MIT PhD, a Fulbright scholar, a scientist, engineer, entrepreneur, and inventor. My family and I left India to come to America on my seventh birthday. I grew up in the working-class neighborhoods of New Jersey, playing baseball, mowing lawns, painting houses, and coding software. My friends and neighbors are Blacks, Italians, Irish, people of all races. As a 14-year-old, I wrote 50,000 lines of software code to create the world's first email system, and was awarded the first U.S. copyright for email, recognizing me as its official inventor at a time when copyright was the only way to protect software inventions. I did that long before I ever came to MIT revealing that big innovations can occur anytime, any place, by anybody. Growing up, I saw politicians dividing us by race and religion in both America and India to have us fighting each other while they remained safe in their gated communities and in their playgrounds of Hollywood, Martha's Vineyard, and Silicon Valley. I'm a fighter. I fought racism and exposed their imperialist wars, fought for workers, and put my life on the line against global corruption. I never wanted to run for political office. All that changed when I saw working Americans as never before being duped by the establishment and the not-so-obvious establishment. Across left and right, we were being sold out and made to forget why we came to America and why America existed. 
lawyers, academics, billionaires, celebrities and politicians, elites, Clintons, Kennedys, Bidens, Obamas, Bushes, black and white have hijacked America. They've printed trillions for their friends. They've delivered crumbling infrastructure, corruption and racism. They've transferred trillions to themselves, dividing black and white, fear-mongering and fake science, lockdowns and censorship, dirty air, food and water, pushing drugs upon us, making us sicker. We've been sold out. One set of rules for them and another for us. We deserve a warrior with a history of courage in putting everything on the line for you, who believes in you, not them, who has created a movement bottoms up for truth, freedom, health. I've exposed their lies at the right time, never waiting until it was popular. I've exposed their false gods who exist to lead you back to them. I've exposed their fake science of lockdowns and masking and provided you solutions to fight them and win and protect your immune system, saving millions. I exposed Fauci, galvanized the fire Fauci campaign when others remained silent. When they stole our election, we sued the government and Twitter in our historic 2020 federal lawsuit, exposing in bare view the government and big tech censorship infrastructure, the unholy alliance between government and social media companies. Where was Elon and his grifters? They stood by the sidelines and did nothing. They did not use their megaphones to help us when it could have made a big difference. Now our movement grows for truth, freedom, health, independent of all of them. Every day millions are learning the science of systems, the knowledge the elites do not want you to have, so you may learn how to think, stand up, and fight, independent of the establishment of left and right and their fake heroes. Now it's time for you to join the movement to win back America, to win back truth, win back freedom, win back your health. That's why I'm running for President of the United States. This race is about you. This race is about truth, freedom, health versus power, profit, control. We've had enough. They think we'll fall in line and vote again for their lawyers, celebrities, billionaires, and chosen ones from above. We choose our heroes from below, from the rank and file who do what is right at the right time, not when it's convenient and popular. They can never represent us. What America needs is a movement by the working people, for the working people, who are educated, organized, decentralized, and fight for independence from their systems of control. And that movement exists. It's ready for you. We don't need them. We need us to go bottoms up, neighbor to neighbor. My journey, your journey, are all the same. It's our time. It's time we had one of us. It's time to win back truth, freedom, health to win back America, be part of this historic movement, all the way to our victory on November 5th, 2024. If you're an American citizen, pledge your vote now for Dr. Shivaya Duray, the independent candidate for U.S. President. No matter where you live, you can be a part of this. Volunteer as little as 20 minutes a day. Don't delay. This is Dr. Shivaya Duray, and I approve this message, paid for by Dr. Shiva for President. All right, everyone, be well, have a good night. You know, go to shivaforpresident.com and go to truthfromhealth.com and get on the ground. It's the only way forward, all right? No, there's no Santa Claus coming to.